You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels podcast. This is our 15th episode of season three for the episode through Imperial Eyes. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's happening, Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans? Mm -hmm. Hey, it's good to be back talking some, uh, I guess, a little uh, chess match between Callus and Thrawn and, and the... Like I said, the chess match that those two are going through to this episode. So, and and I gotta say too, like it ended um, kind of like last week, where it was kind of mm-hmm. a tiny bit uh, surprised there. So uh, definitely get into obviously what we're talking about in this episode uh, fairly yeah. soon. But uh, Mike, we got just a couple of things of news before we jump into the recap. Uh, you want to just jump to it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All this on the move. Is strong this now, here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. All right, so, uh, again, not a lot of news going on right now, especially uh, Rebel stuff, because um, probably going to wait until we get the celebration before we get anything really big. But mm-hmm. they did tease, Mike, and I know you didn't get to see, uh, see this live, but you actually just watched it. Uh, they did tease a new clip with Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Maul. Yes. And this clip for the, uh, at least for us around here, played during a commercial segment uh, of this past week's episode. And uh, this is all coming from Lucasfilm. So they wanted us, they were cool with it being seen. So I guess it could be spoilers. So maybe jump ahead a minute or two if you don't want to hear what uh, this little tease was. But, uh, you know, we saw... Originally, the Obi-Wan pulling out his lightsaber, and obviously Maul's there, but we didn't know if they were going to fight. But this particular clip we we see, uh, it, I you know, again, we still exactly don't know if they're going to fight. But mm-hmm. we see two lightsabers out and ready to do to, to ready to do battle, and the uh, double-bladed lightsaber is lit up, and Darth Maul is ready to go. So. Take that for what you will. It was pretty cool to see it, to see actually 
the double-bladed lightsaber back, you know, the original Darth Maul who started it all. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, you just saw this little teaser. It was actually uh, like a montage of what's been going on this season and what's to come. And we had mentioned this like last week, like, man, they're not really promoting this series enough. And yeah, sure enough, here they go. They start doing it. You know, they want to tease that Obi-Wan Darth Maul thing. And uh, they actually did that for us in the States. I know you didn't get it, but uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool little clip, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm honestly much more interested in in some of the other stuff in that clip. Yeah, yeah, this um, than I am in the Darth Maul Obi Wan stuff. If only because I'm already disappointed. That <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I we kind of went over it last week. That it's just going to be a single episode. Um, that oh, that yeah. Obi Wan's return is going to be something that kind of happens and then is over. Um, and I kind of, yeah. I kind of get that because you know, on the one hand it's like, well we can't really spend a lot of time with him because obviously he has another another destiny to fulfill. But <clears throat> um, I don't know it, the what what we see in this clip, it it just struck me as a little bit off. You know what I mean? Like like the. It's Obi-Wan from A New Hope, mm-hmm. but Darth Maul looks a little bit too, like it's the shirtless Darth Maul and, and he's just a little bit too like edgy and hot topic-y from, from, from my taste in a battle against, against Obi-Wan. I would have liked to have seen him, um, get kind of geared up for this battle and go back to, to maybe how he looked um in in the second encounter in the clone wars not not when he had the raptor legs but but when he hooked up with death watch um right where he had the yeah. more like sort of uh, a, a sith robe top and then the and then the the regular legs he's got the regular legs but um but he look it looks more like his his um his shirtless uh sort of look from uh, from from his previous appearances on, on Clone Wars and, and Rebels. Um, and I know that there's probably a certain element that they want to go with like that Star Wars visions or visionaries uh, uh, storyline. Yeah. Like they kind of yeah. want to call back to that. But yeah. the thing about that story is that that was that that was placed like very soon after um, Revenge of the Sith. So Obi-Wan was still quite young. So it made sense. But with older Obi Wan, I want to see something a little bit more subdued. I don't want like well, I think what what I'm what I'm honing in on and what I'm a little bit worried about and um, Obi Wan's pose in the promo art that we got back in January, um, it kind of leads into this as well. Uh, he's in his Episode Three stance, his defensive mm-hmm, right. stance, and right. <clears throat> obviously that is not the way that he fights in. Uh, no, no. In a new no. hope. So I don't know. Unless they explain it somehow that in this battle, Obi-Wan is injured. And that's one of the reasons why he's a little bit more low-key in the battle with Vader. Um, I don't know, man. It's just kind of... It's just like... It's it's a little bit too close to the prequel stuff. In the Clone Wars, that's fine. Because obviously the Clone Wars are in the midst of the prequels. But right. the prequels are over. This is yeah. this is the classic trilogy era, and it, you know I mean everybody likes a good lightsaber fight, but 
I think when we point back to season two and Kanan and Ezra's battle with Vader, and then Vader's appearance in Rogue One, um, they did a really good job of capturing the style of the original trilogy, but making it a little bit more exciting. Um, mm. Sort of, sort of marrying the the episode uh, uh, one, two, three aesthetic with with the style of the the original trilogy, right? Um, so I don't know. I'm just a little bit worried. They're like kind of running towards each other and, and yeah. I don't know. I just don't want to see like Obi-Wan yeah. flipping around or anything like that. Like I want to see him use as few, as few strokes as possible to defeat Maul. Like, yeah. Cause it, that is, a, it is for 20, 20 years past, you know, what's going on in, you know, the prequel stuff. So you're right. Like, seeing him in this pose it is kind of like whoa you know you're not used to seeing that obi-wan yeah in a in a pose like that but i you know i understand what they're trying to do they're they're meshing his character from the clone wars to now and you know Mm. doing those tie things but i think you're right here's the thing that worries here's the thing that not worries me but like how are you this is crazy you got obi-wan kenobi versus darth maul you got this matchup that we've been talking about ever since Darth Maul came back for years, like we've been thinking, is this ever going to happen? It looks like it's going to happen, and you're going to do this in 22 minutes. Um, that concerns me a little bit. And I don't know, like maybe this is just the beginning of it. I, I mean, we're going to get more in the next episode or next season. That's another thing that's kind of I could see that happening. What kind of what they did with with Ahsoka and leaving it open. But man, if, if for some reason this is the culmination, like I can't imagine you would do that in 22 minutes, but the, the only way I don't know, we'll see, you know, the only way I think they can pull it off is if none of the other characters are in this. Like if it's just a total, these two for the whole 22 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like whatever's going on with, with, uh, uh, the Lothal rebels on, um, Adelon and, and, Thrawn closing in on them. That is happening while this is also happening simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, well, yeah. isn't Ezra supposed to be in this episode as well? So yeah. what is he going to be doing? You know, because that's part of the uh, the synopsis is they talk about Ezra in this episode. So, yeah, I just man, uh, I, weird. I'm a little I'm worried. I, I'm 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 worried. I obviously this is what I want, but I don't know if it's going to be the way that I want. So yeah, um, here's Darth Maul who's who's killed Qui Gon Jinn, who's killed Satine. You got Obi Wan who cut Maul in half. These two are are this is you know this is this is big time rumble time. I mean, yeah, doesn't seem like anybody's gonna come out of this alive. You know, perhaps I don't know, but man, like I said, if you're gonna do that and, and throw Ezra in there somehow and all do this in an animated form with within a few minutes, like man, that's crazy. I mean, it, it must be just outstanding or they're going to leave it open to some more stuff later on so that's the big question i think i'm going into this uh and, and this is this particular episode we got a couple more i think two more weeks before i get to it but man whoo and, and and you know what dave filoni i mean he's obviously been supervising this so i'm sure that you know everything's under control but man it's just one of those things i just kind of thought of it when you said it mike when you're like i'm worried about one episode, I'm like, oh, you're you're absolutely right. How are they going to do this in that amount of time? So, you know uh, what we'll though? See. Like, I'll, I'll say, this season overall has been, 
I would say underwhelming and 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 in the track track record of the series so far, I think that season three is gonna kind of go down as as maybe one of the worst seasons um, mm-hmm. just because there are so many great storylines going on, but they are not being treated well in my opinion mm-hmm. it's just um I don't know. It, it's almost like we're too all over the place. There are too many bad guys. There are certainly too many episodes in the season. And um, that's a that's a bit of a problem for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it, – we'll, we'll just have to kind of wait and see, right? Like that's – Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, it, like we've had before in other seasons and other finales. Like, you know, the last season's finale was incredible. Um, I think they're building up for something in this battle of Lothal and, and then – the, the penultimate episode with Obi-Wan and Maul. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at some good stuff, man. I, um, I'm definitely, you know, siding on the, I, you know, I can't wait for it. It's just, there's that part of you like, man, the, I just want to see so much of this. Like, yeah, well, I'm obviously, you, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm obviously excited to see Obi-Wan again. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and really excited. Steven Stanton's going to be voicing him and it's going to be more yeah, that Alec Guinness Obi-Wan than the Ewan McGregor yeah. Obi-Wan. So that's going to be really cool. But, yeah. um, but I'm also, I'm also just, I'm just so worried. Cause you know, like they've got to, they have to handle this well. Otherwise it's going to be disappointing mm-hmm. for everyone. Like, yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, just one more thing and we'll get to the, uh, the recap. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we've had the uh, in in the states here yesterday was the Academy Awards, the Oscars, and uh, actually Rogue One was uh, nominated for visual effects, didn't win, and you know Jungle Book win, which is kind of funny. You know what? I I was thinking this right, and I go, let's see, this uh, Jungle Book won. The entire movie was filmed green screen. Yeah. 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 Like the prequels take a ton of crap because. Oh, they complain about all the digital stuff. And here's a movie that and, and don't get me wrong, I mean it was a great movie and it looked fantastic and all that. I'm just it's just funny how things evolve, you know? Yeah. And you know, when the prequels were around, it's like everybody was poo-pooing on all of the visual effects. And now here's an Academy Award for a, a movie that had one live action character the yeah. rest of the whole entire movie. It's just kind of funny how it but turns out that on you know? on the flip side of that. On the flip side of that, did Rogue One really do anything other than than Tarkin and uh, and Princess Leia that was um, no, I don't think like so. better no. than anything else no. we've ever seen. No, 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 no. right? Yeah, so, they were just yeah. So when yeah, you're talking when you're talking about achievements in 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 filmmaking, Rogue One is very by the book. Um, it's a it was a blockbuster movie. It's no different than any of the Marvel movies. Uh, did they push the envelope in one specific direction? Yeah, for sure. But Jungle Book, the thing about Jungle Book is that not only was it, um, you know, the one human character and then a bunch of digital characters, uh, there are moments where those digital characters, like you would swear that 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 they were real, that those were real animals. And right. then on top of that, the performances that they got out of those digital characters um and and through the uh the the actors that performed them um sheer khan i mean like idris elba destroys in that movie as yeah. sheer khan it's so good the performance is is off the charts in my opinion um and that performance far outshines anything from rogue one so yeah. um like like 
and this is kind of like I don't know. I I think I think that a lot of people, um, they have uh, Star Wars tinted glasses. I I where they look at Star Wars and and they put it on a pedestal because they love Star Wars so much, not realizing that the rest of the world is neutral to uh, mildly enthusiastic about Star Wars. Not mm. it's it isn't everybody's daily um uh, obsession you know and so the the conversation online within the star wars fandom echo chamber is one of i can't believe star wars didn't win an academy award star wars never wins academy awards and it's like well the first movie won several academy awards but you know like yeah. like yeah. i i you know they it's definitely gotten its recognition over the years and ilm definitely gets its recognition but um but rogue one specifically Rogue One, I mean, like, when you have that many first act problems, you're not going to be in the running for much. Uh, and, and, and like I was saying, like, they just didn't do anything that was that outstanding. And what they did wasn't even groundbreaking. It's not like Tarkin and Leia were completely new technology that we've never seen before. It's, this is six years on from, from Tron Legacy that did it. Um, right. And granted, like, yeah, did they do it better than that? Of course they did. Did of they course, do it yeah. seamlessly? No, not at all. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're pushing the envelope, but, but did they knock it out of the park? No, just to mix metaphors there. Um, and, and I will say the, the biggest upset for genre fans, I think last night has to be in the makeup category uh, with Suicide Squad and it's atrocious yeah. <laughs> killer croc makeup along with like the other characters that are just so bad um yeah. l- winning over star trek beyond which here's the deal this is what happens nobody saw star trek beyond right nobody right. No, nobody in the academy gave that any kind of credence whatsoever that's why it didn't win right they the academy on occasion, this happens with the animation category as well. Every single year, Disney wins the animation uh, uh, category every year, for the simple fact that n- nobody in the academy watches animated movies. So, again, like Zootopia won. Zootopia is a fantastic film. I think Zootopia is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean, like like twenty sixteen was a great year for Disney animation with Zootopia and Moana in the same year, both of which are beautiful really well-crafted films um, and rewatchable, which most, most Disney movies from the past few years are good, but they're not that rewatchable. Um, but, but Kubo and the two strings should have won Kubo and the two strings was, I, I haven't even seen it. And I can tell you that because it was a way bigger achievement in animation and in filmmaking than the sort of cookie cutter by the book, uh, mm-hmm. Disney storytelling and Zootopia and Moana and, 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 you know, Pixar doing whatever they're doing. And all that, right? So the the Academy Awards are a bit of a funny thing because what you end up with is not necessarily, especially when it comes to genre, not necessarily um, an accurate representation of quality or estimation of that quality. But you know, like it's it's a matter of you have to think of it this way: when you go and you vote, let's say you vote. Um, they have like a general election and then they'll also have like a, 
a, a municipal election at the same time, right? So there's multiple ballots. And one ballot, you've got the president. Everybody knows what they're going to do about the president. And that's like your best picture, your best actress, your best actor, best director, writing, those categories, right? And then the mm-hmm. municipal is stuff like best special effects, best makeup, best mm-hmm. editing, best sound design, that sort of stuff. That's like, and it's like, do you really know that much about the councilman and, you know, like the person running for school board? chair or whatever like like, no you don't sometimes you leave those blank and sometimes you could just go um that sounds like a good name right and so (laughs) people make decisions based on that and uh and that that tends to be how the genre stuff gets treated in those um lesser esteemed categories so yeah it's a it's a it's a funny thing but i do think that like rogue one definitely deserve to be overlooked this year um, in comparison to some of the other stuff that was done in visual effects in, in 2016 that was just it, it was just better right just yeah. more of an achievement um, because because yeah, I, yeah. I think like your point about the prequels being all green screened you're right the prequels were very heavily green screened especially attack of the clones and revenge of the sith being shot digitally but that is actually one of the greatest faults of those films because you can see how um, how poorly it was directed in in some of those scenes, like some like the scenes where you know Obi Wan and Yoda and Mace Windu are walking down a hallway, and yeah, uh, it's just like watching paint dry from a visual standpoint. It's like yeah, okay, they're in a really big room, but what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in the prequels. Um, because they didn't know what they were doing yet, right? This was new technology. Nobody had ever done it before. So was it groundbreaking? Yes. Was Did they pull it off? Not really. So mm-hmm. Jungle Book is learning from those mistakes and uh, and using the same sort of technique, um, but using it to an incredible, incredible effect, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if you just look into the, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but... But we're kind of talking around the actual news that you wanted to talk about. <laughs> Went on a yeah, little bit no, of a, yeah. a tirade. It, that, that just kind of came up because uh, this also came out about Oscars. And and I don't know how to take this. And my first instinct yeah. is to take the story as, as just director talk, but they like their, they like their actors. But Force Awakens director J.J. Abrams believes that Luke Skywalker actor Mark Hamill will win an Oscar for his role in the upcoming Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. So he had mentioned something about, yeah. about that. And it's been all over the news uh, news sites. And like I said, at first I took the story as he's just saying it because he likes Mark Hamill. And, and that's this just what you say in a, in a movie franchise you're involved with. You, mm-hmm. you speak well about it. Yeah. But then I but then the part of me is going, but why would he say Oscar worthy? You know, like, yeah. why not just say, oh, he's fantastic in this movie. Why does he say... And it kind of gets you thinking, like, man, what yeah. is going on with this movie that that he thinks it could be Oscar, uh, nom- not not necessarily not just nominated, but, but win. win. Like, what yeah. the heck is going on here? I think so I don't even know what to think yeah. about this story, man. I think that that what's going on there is that Mark Hamill is actually an incredible actor who is not given a lot of opportunity to show exactly. that off. Um, yeah. He's often given very big arch characters to play but to be perfectly honest like like his performances as the joker outshine any other joker that's ever been done 
Um, right. He's got a couple of performances as that character in an animated, in a cartoon show, a Saturday morning cartoon that, yeah. that are, are just outstanding and incredible. Um, and, and, you know, Heath Ledger won for his performance as the Joker. So when you look at it from that perspective and you go like, well, you have an Academy Award winning Joker. I, obviously, that was a, it was a posthumous award, but and that kind of played into it a little bit. But you also have to account for the fact that this is um, Luke Skywalker is one of the most recognizable heroes in film. Mm-hmm. And I think that for the last probably, I mean, like we're it's the 40th anniversary this year. So probably I would say for the last 39 years, um, people have looked at that performance as fine. Right. But I think in the last little while, I think I think since since The Force Awakens and since mm-hmm. people um, or I mean, in the, in the lead up to The Force Awakens. So maybe maybe we'll say say, you know, the, the 37 years leading up to, to that, um, people have started really going back and looking at that performance that Mark Hamill gave and how he portrays that character, which is a very tricky character. When you really, really look at Luke Skywalker, um, he is the main character of a very action heavy science fiction fantasy franchise whose ultimate decision is to throw down his weapon and choose love over anger, right? And like to, to choose compassion over aggression. And, and at no point does anybody ever go like, uh, Luke Skywalker is such a sissy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Luke Skywalker yeah. is not a real hero. No, everybody goes like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. One of the greatest heroes in all of film. And he does it actually through through traits that that are traditionally considered very feminine, um, and he's driven by by love and compassion throughout all three of the films that he's in, um, right. and and uh, that's a that that's a that's a really tough performance to be the main character of an action heavy franchise. Um, and, and and to 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 still connect with the audience in that way because when you compare him to heroes from from a lot of other uh, contemporary pieces, I mean, like you're you're putting him up against obviously Han Solo within the same franchise. Uh, you're putting him up against Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford in his other franchise, right? Um, and and you look at some of the other stuff that was done around that time. Um, I I. Even like Superman, uh, the Superman kills Zod and and Non and Ursa in in well, technically Lois kills Ursa, but I I you know like like even even Superman is is a little bit more aggressive than Luke Skywalker at times, um, and that just like there's just such subtlety and nuance to his performance, especially in Return of the Jedi. They, I think people are starting to recognize that a little bit. I think that 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 real filmmakers, talented people like J.J. Abrams in Hollywood, that have uh, an undying love for Star Wars like us fans do, I think when they add their expertise to to their fandom, <clears throat> and they look at that and they can they really see what's going on there because they've watched Star Wars. A couple hundred times, like we all have, um, or if not more, I. Uh, 
that they are able to see something in Mark Hamill's performance as Luke Skywalker that that other people might overlook as mm-hmm. just him doing the job, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that for J.J. Abrams in particular, I, I, I don't think that he's just speaking from the script. I don't think he's just speaking from knowing Mark Hamill. I think he is speaking from a place of having seen some of this performance. Right. Um, he is well, an executive yeah. producer on the film. So right. at, at this point, um, you know, they're, they're cutting the movie. It's happening. Yeah. I'm sure he's seen performance and I'm sure that there is a moment and apparently there's a monologue or something like that. Um, I, and, and my guess would be that it, it's, it's Luke explaining what happened with Kylo with Ben and, 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 you know, like this is, um, this is the, the role that Mark Hamill was born to play. And it was also like, this is the performance that George Lucas prophesied and promised to Mark Hamill 30 years prior, right? Like it during, during shooting empire strikes back. So this is something that Mark Hamill has had most of his life to prepare for. Like, you really have to put that into perspective, right? Like, he was in his mid-20s when they were shooting Empire. And and it's it's been 40 years. I, he, like, this is now, you know, like, like, this is, this is his theoretically most prepared for performance of his career. Um, he's been thinking about what it means to become Obi-Wan Kenobi for, for 40 years for, well, 30 some odd years, 38 years. Yeah. Uh, uh yes, sorry. we are. Go ahead. Sorry. What was that? Yeah. that? That was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so like, I think that absolutely, absolutely this is an opportunity for Mark Hamill to, to really show um, what he's got. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Cause this is the way that everybody hears that they go like, well, Luke Skywalker is the main character, right? Mm. Well, no, of course not. He's not going to win best actor next year. Let's be really, really right. clear on that. Right. Yeah. He's going to be nominated for best supporting actor. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and that is a very realistic Academy Award for him to win. Because mm-hmm. not only will it be an acknowledgement of his performance in this film, which I have no doubt is going to be off the charts, just ridiculously good. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going to be... It's like, there's... We're all going to cry. Every single one of us is going to cry. And every single person that can hear my voice right now is going to cry when they see this movie because Mark Hamill's going to make us cry. Um, and I'm fully prepared for that night and, and I look forward to it. Um, <clears throat> but like, this will also be an acknowledgement of, of an entire career in film as, as one of the most recognizable characters to ever be on screen. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, like that, that it happens from time to time that somebody gets acknowledgement not specifically because of the performance, but because of a, a, a career full of performances. 
Um, and, uh, and I think that this will be one of those cases. So when JJ Abrams says that, I mean, like he doesn't say that lightly, I don't think. And it comes with, it comes with a lot of, um, legitimacy behind, behind the person saying it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like we're going to have to wait about a year to find out. Um, yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I read through that article and I was waiting for like the punchline, like, where's the joke coming in? And it never did. I'm like, man, I, I think he's, I think he's serious about this. And as yeah. a fan, like totally excited about this. I'm like, yeah, holy crap. He knows something. And, and you're right about, about, I mean, look what happened. I, we've seen this in the Academy Awards before, you know, a movie like, let's just return of the King. It won 11 Academy Awards and it was kind of a makeup for the first two that didn't win anything. Right. Yeah. Um, like actors or directors like Scorsese or Leonardo DiCaprio, who done maybe better roles earlier, but yeah. then later they, they get the award because it's just okay. We gotta we gotta award this guy because he's done so many great things. And I think that could be what you're talking about is yeah. like hey, we you see this and you're like man, we gotta give him something because all the stuff he's done and then this performance on its own. So yeah, and, man, and, that's, and yeah, just like just like I, I use the analogy of of politics and just like just like government politics there are hollywood politics as well and there's campaigning yeah, yeah yeah that goes into this and i think that disney and lucasfilm will put a lot of money behind this campaign um to get mark hamill nominated and and hopefully he can win yeah I, you know, if, Award, but if even if he gets nominated i'll just be like that's um, that's fantastic oh and, yeah that's that's yeah, enough right that's gonna be huge so yeah. Yeah, some pretty cool things. So I guess uh, I guess with that, we better talk some Rebels, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's get on it. You're in the wrong place. Yeah! Yeah! Rebel! Rebel! This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels recap. Welcome home. Rebel! Yeah. All right. Here we go with through Imperial eyes. Imperial, uh, Imperial Security Bureau agent Callus wakes up in his personal quarters as sirens ring in the background. When Callus exits his chamber, he sees stormtroopers running down the, uh, the corridor. A stormtrooper tells him that they are on battle stations mode. Callus asks Lieutenant Yogar List if they are under attack, but List tells them that he is preparing to intercept a stolen shuttle that has blasted its way out of the low-fall spaceport. The shuttle turns out to be a Star Commuter 2000. After the tractor beam captures the shuttle, Callus uh, heads to the landing bay to deal with the problem. In the landing bay, Callus meets the Stormtrooper boarding party as they forcibly drag a helmeted rebel who turns out to be Ezra Bridger. Callus orders his men to bring Ezra to the detention block. Shortly later, another Stormtrooper brings two droids who turn out to be the disguised rebel astromech droid chopper and the formal Imperial RA-7 protocol droid AP-5. A stormtrooper tells them to wait for processing, but AP-5 replies that they can uh, they, they can do just fine while nodding to uh, a beeping chopper. So this thing starts off, like, and I mentioned this like mm-hmm. um, briefly last week when we talked about what was coming up. Like, I loved how this thing starts in this POV of, of Callus, and it just kind of shows like his... This, this first person view and, and how anxious he is and and just how different like this show can be as far as like storytelling and, and how it's animated. Like I've never seen like 
an animated show do things like like Rebels has done and sometimes mm-hmm. Clone Wars too. So that part, I just I love when they do that and they kind of think out of the box and they do different things like that. And I just kind of love this entry and this it kind of um, prepares you like this is going to be a callous point of view type of episode. And like I said earlier, like this chess match between him and and um, uh, a Thrawn as we as we kind of go through this thing. So. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we see Ezra, who's in disguise, and this is all part of his plan. And and, and it kind of looked to me like Callus was a little surprised to like to see yeah for sure uh, Ezra yeah. And, and so I'm like, oh, okay, he's surprised. Something's going on here. So, Mike, got any thoughts on on what's going on in the beginning here? Yeah, well, I, I think like they they've got the rebels have an idea that um, they Fulcrum yeah is is yeah. maybe compromised. And so um, they've devised a plan, right? But Callus doesn't know because their communications are one way. So, um, yeah, I he is surprised. He's absolutely surprised. Yeah, yeah. It turns into Ezra. like a rescue mission now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Like Ezra is there to to bust him out, and they have a whole plan, right? And and I think the cool thing about this episode. Um, I mean, it's right there in the title through Imperial Eyes is that, you know, like we don't see any of the rebel planning on this. We just mm-hmm. we just see. Oh, the, yeah. Good point. The, yeah. The, the one piece that we see that, that leaves the Star Destroyer that leaves Callus is when we see um, Kanan and Rex on the mm-hmm. shuttle. Right. Uh, but other yeah. than that, we're basically with them with Callus the whole time. Um, say for maybe like you know flipping over to the other side of the conversation with Ezra or um, or AP five and choppers. So yeah, it's very it's very focused on his character. Um, and I, I I don't know. I, obviously the the end was a little bit of a twist, but yeah. um, but I I mean overall I think a very well crafted episode. Um, but a lot of a lot of effort for nothing to change, I think, is 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 sort of my my ultimate appraisal of this mm-hmm. episode. Is that the only thing that really changes is that Thrawn knows that Callus is the mole that he's right. from now, right? So I yeah. think he suspected previously, but now he knows. Um, right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And I think this is the this. Is, oh, actually, you know, I'll wait until we get to that point in, sure. in the show. But yeah, but yeah, you know, like. And it's AP five here and Chopper, they're they're doing their normal thing where you paint that you paint Chopper up and he looks like an Imperial droid and AP five can slip in anywhere. So that's yeah. always gonna work out for the rebels, uh, as far as getting in and, and using them as as part of the group to to help get uh Callus out of there. So um yeah, let's continue, Mike. What's next? Yeah, hmm. Callus accompanies Ezra and the stormtroopers to the detention block. After the stormtroopers throw Ezra into a cell, Callus tells them to leave him to interrogate the rebel alone. Callus scolds Ezra for getting himself captured and thus endangering them. Callus fears that he will be executed for treason should his collusion with the rebels be discovered. Ezra warns Callus that the Galactic Empire has been monitoring his fulcrum transmissions. When Callus asks Ezra if he got captured just to warn him, the youth replies that he came to get him out. The two agree to trust each other just as Lieutenant List orders the guards to open the cell immediately. Ezra feigns being tortured by Callus and says that he will tell him anything. List informs them that Thrawn has summoned them to come aboard his ship and orders the guards to bring the prisoner along. When Callus insists that the prisoner is just a bounty hunter, List responds that he is from Lothal and that is enough. 
Lieutenant List, Agent Callus, Ezra, and the droids travel aboard a Sentinel-class landing craft to Thrawn's flagship, the Imperial Star Destroyer Chimera. Um, well, this is one of my favorite parts of the episode is when they're 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 chatting and then List shows up. Yeah, and Callus has turned off the cameras. Right, he's used his code cylinder to to turn off. The oh yeah, I really yeah. like that we finally got to see what code cylinders are for and how they're. That's used. right, isn't in, that right? In Isn't all cool? of Star Wars, yeah. we've never got to see that on screen, <laughs> and we finally yeah. see that they actually they fit into a scomp link, just like a just like the an R two unit, um, like their their interface does, so they can they can access things that way. Um, so they're kind of yeah. like keys, um. I so I thought that was really cool. He turns it off, um, and then obviously when List shows up, uh, they have to. They have to like you're worried like oh no List is gonna find like he's gonna realize what's going on, because the cameras have been turned off. But Ezra makes it seem like Callus turned off the cameras so that Dude, he could yeah. break <laughs> yeah. protocol and torture Ezra. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah genius yeah, yeah yeah which i thought like that that was great because it 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 totally covers for callus um, oh yeah perfect yeah, yeah. and ezra's Definitely. the one who like callus just looks kind of shocked but ezra is the one who manages to to pull that off so yeah and i like this the fact that these two like callus and and ezra there's still a trust issue going on and yeah so they're not fully letting each other kind of handle the situation which i, I kind of like too and and also, list he mentions um, the reason he's he's so dead shot as about as far as getting um, this rebel prisoner to to uh, Thrawn is he was the one that was in charge of uh, all those hammerhead corvettes that Leia stole. Yeah. So yeah. he is definitely out of favor right now, and he's going to do anything he can to get back into favor. And it kind of bites him in the butt, and it, and it actually does again. Later on in the episode, and we'll get to that. Uh, shuttle TYA-77 lands, and List tells Thrawn's orange pauldron stormtroopers that he has brought a prisoner for the Grand Admiral. Meanwhile, the retrieval team, Kanan, Jarrus, and Rex, are flying a stolen shuttle through hyperspace when Chopper tells them that they are aboard Grand Admiral Thrawn's Star Destroyer. When Rex demands to know what they are uh, doing there, Kanan translates that Chopper is saying that the Imperials have transferred as we're there and that he got captured. Back on the Chimera, AP-5 tells Chopper he can't download the clearance codes from any normal terminal and they have, that they have to find an officer's port. Meanwhile, Callus and Lieutenant List walk past several Imperial officers, including Captain Brunson, Commander Brom Titus, and an un- unidentified third officer. All have their hands behind their backs and are being escorted by stormtroopers. The two approach Grand Admiral Thrawn's office and the stormtrooper demands they submit their code cylinders for verification. When this protests, the guard repeats his demand, and Callus explains that Thrawn is known for being thorough. List and Callus hand their cylinder codes, and the guard allows them to proceed inside Thrawn's office. And you mentioned it, Mike, mm-hmm. the fact that we got finally got a canon reason why these guys walk around with these pen things in there. Like, we've seen it for 40-plus years now, and you always notice them, but you never yeah. think of anything, right? You know, it's just like, oh, it's just part of their... You know, they have to throw anything in there. You know, they're just trying to make it look like they're important. Yeah. And uh, we find it, it's just really cool to to finally get the that that in that canon reason why they have this. And it makes total sense. Like you said, they use them just like R2 would plug in. And each one is assigned to a certain person. And as this episode goes, well, obviously, 
understand why um, they use those and why Callus it kind of exploits the uh, the cylinder. So, uh, Mike, you want to continue? What's next? Yeah, uh, inside Thrawn's office, the two Imperial officers find Thrawn sparring with two Imperial sentry droids. When Thrawn notices their presence, he issues the command override Rook, and the two droids enter hibernation mode. Admiral Constantine tells List and Callus that he is ready for them before introducing the two visitors to the ISB Colonel Wolf Yalarin, Callus's former instructor. Yalarin is pleased to see his former star pupil, whom he keeps tabs on. When Callus asks what brings him to Lothal, Thrawn replies that they need his expertise. Thrawn tells his guests that there is a rebel spy in their midst, codenamed Fulcrum. When Lieutenant List vows to do everything in his power to find, find this traitor, Thrawn thanks List for his enthusiasm but warns that nobody is above suspicion and that Colonel Yularen will interrogate each of them. Yularen tells them to be vigilant, to watch over their personnel and, and peers. When Constantine asks about his methods, Thrawn explains that he has calculated the possible locations of the rebel base based on their proximity to attacks on Imperial ships and facilities, and most importantly, their proximity to Lothal. Colonel Yalaren. I don't know if you remember me from the Academy. Of course, young Agent Callus. I keep tabs on all my star pupils. What brings you to Lothal? We're in need of his expertise. There's a rebel spy in our midst, codename Falkrum, and perhaps today we're going to learn their true identity. A traitor in our ranks is feeding the rebels information. That is the only logical explanation for their success and our failure. I will do everything in my power to find this spy, Grand Admiral. Thank you for your enthusiasm, Lieutenant. However, few are above suspicion. ISB Colonel Yularen will question each of you. In the meantime, be vigilant. Watch your subordinates closely, and your peers even closer. Our spy must be unmasked quickly, as I'm on the verge of locating the rebel base in this sector. I've narrowed it down to these worlds. From among thousands? How? An analysis of rebel hyperspace routes, their attacks on Imperial ships and facilities, and rather importantly, proximity to the Thal. You're dismissed. So, Mike, a lot of stuff going on in this, man. Like, first of all, you get the shot of Thrawn, and he's battling the, the droids, and uh, kind of they're kind of setting up how... And they might have talked about this in the behind-the-scenes stuff, too, about how, how smart this guy is, but he's also got the physicality part of it. Like, he can handle himself, and he does, as we see that later on. So, like I said, not only smart, cunning, uh, all that kind of stuff, plus he's physically, he's he's uh, no match for, you know, like he's probably the, the best they have as far as the Imperials go, as far as fighting and all that. I mean, he's fighting two, uh, I can't even remember what those droids are called, super, uh, I don't like, I can't I remember. The I don't remember. Thing. I mean, like the, the the recap refers to them as sentries. So the sentry, yeah. So it's. I mean, it shows how powerful this guy is, and 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 we get treated to Wolf Yalarin's back. Tom Kane voicing uh, Yalarin, yep. which is cool to see him. He's a colonel at this point, uh, and he was Callus uh, was a star pupil. So I kind of like how they tie all this together, and they bring him in. Callus yep. uh, Thrawn brings him in. 
because he is actually, uh, I think he's the ISB colonel, uh, and he's known for his, to be able to sniff things out and, and get delve deep into stuff and look for tra uh, traitorous stuff. So they bring him in, um, and then we get, the, we also get some information about Thrawn, that he is closing in on the rebel base and, He's look, you know, he's looked like you said. He's looked at hyperspace routes. He's looked at the attacks on Imperial ships, and all that in conjunction with the proximity to Lothal, he's narrowed it down, and it makes total sense. You know, how are they? Why are they? The rebels only affecting these certain hyperspace routes. Why are they only going for these particular ships in this particular area? So he's smart enough to figure that out, Mike. So any thoughts yeah. on what's going on here? No, yeah, I, I think I think you've got it. You know, he's uh, he's done the the homework basically, um, and we see a little bit of, of his logic um, solving the problem towards the end of the episode as well. So this is yeah. um, this is definitely when I said you know like I'm fine with them bringing in Thrawn so long as Thrawn is a real threat and um, and. And he doesn't just know what they're doing because he knows it, but that they actually show their homework, right? They, yeah, they, they actually yeah. show that they did the work to for him to figure it out. Um, he doesn't just have the magical power of knowing what everybody's about to do. Um, in fact, I would say that they've actually kind of depowered him a little bit from his version in the novels um, mm. in order to make him a little bit more grounded and realistic. And okay. Better written character. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, like I, I, I think that it was handled. It's handled really well in this episode. Um, I think it's. I think Yolaren showing up is really interesting. The thing that I think is the most interesting is that I was expecting them to paint him as a sympathetic character. Yeah. And for yeah. for it to turn out that that the reason why Callus and Ezra are able to get away is that Yolaren is actually working with the rebels as well. But uh, and, you know, like, I guess there's still an opportunity for that to happen, but I don't think that's going to happen because um, mm -hmm. it would add a really cool dimension to to a new hope when you look at the Death Star briefing and yeah. um, and yeah. you see that Yularen is there and that, in fact, he's there and he's probably delivering information back to the rebels. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe Yularen is one of the, the people responsible for the rebels finding out about the Death Star in the first place. Um, but <clears throat> based on this episode, I'm more inclined to believe that that is not the case and that Yolaren is just, he's just a career military guy. And, you know, like the, the only reason why we think about it that way, I think, is that obviously we know him from the Clone Wars. So yeah. you want to, you want to yeah. kind of think of him as, as a friendly character like when Rex shows up again and it turns out that Rex is, you know, he, he fought the, the programming and, uh, and, and is on the, the side of the good guys, even though he's one of the clone troopers. Um, you kind of want the same thing for Yolaren, but then you have to remember back to the clone wars. Yolaren wasn't exactly, um, I mean, he was a good guy during the, the clone wars, but he wasn't exactly heroic. He was just a military officer, right? right yeah. Um, and yeah, he, there were definitely a few moments where where you know he he went above and beyond in order to to back up Anakin or Obi Wan or whatever. Um, and and they definitely there was a loyalty there. But um, I don't know that his moral compass is as strong as some of the other characters. 
from that series or from mm-hmm. Star Wars in general that we see, you know, sort of seeing where the Republic is going and realizing that it's that it's actually a problem. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, that I think he's actually kind of an interesting character in that respect. And as much as I want him to be on our side, um, I think it's actually much more interesting to think about him as this character who thinks what he's doing is right. Um, and that he might be in fact, a little bit ignorant to, to, um, what else is going on. But on the other hand, you know, he's an ISB agent. He's the Colonel of the Imperial uh, security bureau. Um, mm-hmm. he's got a, he has to know quite a bit. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. part of the, that, that death star briefing only, there were only what, like 10 guys there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you have to imagine that they were all pretty high ranking in order to be there. So, um, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing to look at with Yularen mm-hmm. and that character. So I hope, I hope that this is not the last that we see of him. I, th- I hope that we see some more. Um, I hope that he comes back or sticks around or yeah. um, that we get a little bit more of his story and and discover a little bit more about you know um exactly what makes him tick and why he would be uh still on the side of the imperials when we think that he's a good guy um yeah especially because we know that he trained callus and so callus looking at at the empire and sort of starting to obviously working working under vader and uh and and tarkin and um and the inquisitors uh starting to realize that that as a matter of and and in particular thrawn to realize that the empire is not they are not the good guys um Mm -hmm. that uh that they're actually they're actually taking away freedom and liberty and security um not not spreading it across the galaxy so yeah I, i'm i'm really interested to see how that's going to play out with that character um, yeah and, and you mentioned uh you as far as like like you said we haven't seen him since clone war season six and you know at that point he was still him and anakin were fairly tight yeah. you know i mean you know so it's kind of like i didn't even think about it but when you said it like Maybe he could be also a rebel sympathizer, but it turns out, at least at this point, it doesn't turn out. But that would be a yeah. total cool twist too. So I like, I like what you're seeing there. What you're saying there, and and I forgot to mention too that hey, Rex is back too. He's in the stormtrooper uniform. He kind of fits yeah. into it a little, and, little tighter than normal, but that's cool. And Kanan, yeah. Kanan and Rex team ups are the best team ups on this show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, in private, I'll continue. Colonel Yularen asks Callus about his thoughts on the profile of the traitor based on his multiple encounters with them. Callus suggests that the spy is an officer because it was a high-level intelligence leak. When Yularen inquires about how the spy is proficient with their communication systems, Callus suggests that the spy is the communications division. However, Yularen thinks it's too obvious and speculates that the spy has a transmission system that they are unaware of. Later, Lieutenant List tells Callus that no traitor escapes the eye of Yularen for long. The two are joined by Governor Arinda Price, who congratulates List for apprehending the shuttle thief. In private, Callus uh, sows disinformation by telling List that the Imperial Security Bureau is watching her. While whispering in uh, List's ear, Callus switches List's cylinder code for his own. Callus then hints that Price is the rebel spy and tells the ambitious lieutenant to keep an eye on her. So, 
I like the fact that Callus smartly says, hey, he's talking to Yularen. He goes, hey, I, it's got to be like at a high uh, level intelligence uh, leak. And and he suggests it's an officer. So he's kind of trying to to pull the um, kind of the heat away from him and, you know, anybody else maybe that's around him and put it on these, you know, the tenants like List or Price or something like that. So I like that he's doing that. Uh, but it kind of doesn't really – you know, Yular's not really falling for that. You know, he, he's yeah. like, no, nah, I don't know about that, man. Is this the way this is going on? And then the fact that he's, um, he's able to switch the uh, the cylinder codes. I mean, that's that's the reason why they put this in canon. You know, yeah. this is a perfect opportunity for Callus to yeah. throw flip the switch around. So I kind of well, like I'm, that. And he's, it, it's yeah, such a it's such a great setup for uh, what yeah. happens towards the end of the episode. So this is. Um, uh, in filmmaking, it's called it's called Chekhov's gun, and it's when you you establish something early on, um, because it's going to be important to the plot later. So the, the like you said, the first time we see code cylinders be used in in a Star Wars uh, uh, story is the first time that it actually becomes important that we know what they are. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I thought that that was really cool. And then it's really artful how they, they just kind of, they do this so quickly. It kind of happens so fast. And then we're on to the next part of the story that you don't even really, you, you're kind of thinking about it in the back of your head, but you're not really like looking at it going like, well, what's his, his end game here. Right. You just think like, oh, he just wants to sneak around undetected. Yeah. But in fact, the whole time he's going to be setting up uh, 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 Lieutenant List to take the fall for him. So yeah, I think yeah. like that, very clever, uh, uh, genius even. Um, yeah, yeah. Except that obviously Thrawn is one step ahead of him. But, yeah, uh, well, like I said earlier, yeah, that's like I said earlier, like he's preying on List's eagerness to gain favor, and and he falls into this this trap that Callus is kind of setting him yeah. up for, and. Like I said, he just wants to make up for losing all those hemorrhoids, so he's trying to do anything yeah. he can. So uh, go ahead, Mike, continue. Yeah, Governor Price then goes to meet with Thrawn and Yularen. When she inquires about progress, uh, Thrawn tells her that he is certain that the spy was present at their interviews. He plans to use the spy to sift out more hidden rebels. Yularen reports that a coded rebel message was beamed off the Chimera after an off-ship prisoner uh, was transported to Detention Block B-7. Callus tells Ezra to stop hiding on the ceiling, with what the boy responding that it worked on previous occasions. When Ezra insists on getting out AP5, sorry, getting out AP5 reports that they won't be able to leave the Chimera without the proper clearance codes. Callus wants to know where the base is so that he can delete it from Thrawn's star chart. Not fully trusting Callus, Ezra insists on keeping it a secret. Callus reiterates that he can remove the planet from Thrawn's list. Uh, AP5 supports Callus and adds that accessing Thrawn's office would allow them to get the clearance codes they need. Ezra replies, but uh, but asks Callus to check if Thrawn will be in his office. Callus then uses his comlink to tell Lieutenant List that Price is heading with Thrawn uh, and Yularen to the detention block. Callus tells List to keep his eye on Price and remain hidden. Please stop that. What? It worked before. Now let's get out of here. None of us will be leaving without the clearance codes to this ship. Mm, I hadn't thought of that. And I'm afraid there's another complication. 
I've just learned that Thrawn is very close to locating your base. You have to tell me where it is. So you can tell him? No way. You'll find out when we get there. Not if Thrawn destroys it first. I need to know its location so I can remove it from his database. If it's even on his list. If I may, we can accomplish both of our goals by infiltrating Grand Admiral Thrawn's office. Agent Callus can keep our base hidden, and we can gain the clearance codes we so desperately need. Okay, we'll do it, but how will we know if Thrawn is in his office? Lieutenant List, where are you? Following Price. She's headed to the detention cells with Admiral Thrawn and Colonel Yularen. Stay on her, but remember, Lieutenant, don't let them see you. We'll have to get you a uniform. So like I said earlier, Mike, this is these two going at it again. And, and again, it's all about the trust and, and like... You know, they, they, ultimately, they're going to have to tr trust each other. And Callus, he wants to know, so he can kind of, you know, relay when 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 Thrawn discovers what's going on, like the planet that they're on, he can relay that to, to Ezra. Um, but Ezra's like, no, 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 you know, this is just, you know, let's just get you out of here. So this sounds like Callus is kind of, I, I, I tend at this point to trust Callus right now. Now, I don't know if he's going to turn this thing all around on us again, and they're going to throw something like that at us. But for me, like everything that he's saying, I think he is genuine and that he wants to help and that he thinks that this this is the best way to do it. And he's, you know, asking Ezra about, you know, hey, I'll I'll let you know when things are going on. So I don't know, Mike, do you think uh at this point Callus is genuine in what he's doing? I do, yeah. I, I think yeah. that after um sort of very early on in the season learning about Thrawn. And how ruthless he is, and and when we got his backstory last season um, about uh, about what happened on on Lasan, um, I I think I think that that it's pretty clear that that Callus is actually a very good person, um, and that he was just I you know like if if you're if you're born in an imperial system and you're raised as an imperial then. You know, uh, that's kind of what you're going to believe. Right. So, yeah, um, the majority of the galaxy believes that the Republic became the Empire for legitimate safety and security reasons. I, I and, you know, I mean, like you look at the political climate in the U.S. right now uh, and you, not just the U.S., you look at the U.K. as well, um, Britain in particular. And uh, and and you can see that, like, you know, people will kind of go along with certain stuff. Um, and they'll give up certain freedoms, I, I, in in the pursuit of security, um, and uh, and and so I think Callus was just sort of, I uh, he was duped by Palpatine into believing that that's what was happening, and I I, you know, was was raised to believe that sort of thing, and so, the this is the first time I think he's been challenged by that. And yeah. and I think that as he, as he's looked into things, um, he's just discovered more and more that uh, he has to do the right thing. He has to help the rebels. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I do I do trust him. I don't think that this is yeah. going to be yeah. a double cross situation. Yeah, that's the only thing I was thinking. And but but at this point, there's nothing that would seem to me like there's any kind of double cross because he had plenty of times no. to do it. So yeah. um, and then of course you know Ezra, being as where he came from and how. His life has been, of course, he's hard to trust anybody at this point. And yeah, but 
you know, I, I, I do think I do think that Ezra will blame Callus for what's going to happen at the end of the season because we know mm-hmm. that this is all coming to a head towards the end of the season. That's not you know yeah. we, we kind of know that just from the titles of the episodes alone, and of right. course it is. It's building towards that. And, yeah, but he's closing in, man. Yeah. He's closing in. Yeah. Uh, I'll continue. Callus then fetches Ezra and Imperial uniform when Thrawn enters the detention block with Price and Yularen. He finds that the surveillance system has been deactivated. <clears throat> After discovering the prisoner is missing, Yularen tells Callus and Price that his records tell them that Lieutenant List was the last person to enter the detention block. Outside Thrawn's office, Ezra jokes that he looked better in the bounty hunter's outfit, but Callus tells him they need to make sacrifices. Callus gets Ezra to use the Jedi mind trick to convince the stormtrooper that he is Lieutenant List and that Admiral Thrawn told him to expect them. Ezra hands the guard List's code cylinder and allows them to enter the office. Uh, go ahead, Mike. We'll continue, and then we'll talk about this next yeah. piece Yeah. Uh, Ezra tells Chopper to transmit the clearance codes to Kanan and Rex. Rex tells the team to meet them in the Chimera's hangar. After examining Thrawn's star chart, they find out that Thrawn is close to locating Adalon, the site of the rebel base. Callus tells Chopper to erase Adalon and add another planet as a decoy. Stormtrooper Sentry tells Thrawn that Lieutenant List is inside. Believing List to be a traitor, Thrawn enters his office with his armed guards. Chopper shuts off the hollow map, and he and Ezra hide in the darkened room. While Thrawn examines his map, Callus sneaks into Thrawn's gym and sets the sentry droids to attack mode. After flicking the map off, the stormtrooper asks if th- asks Thrawn if he is alright. Thrawn rep- replies, apparently so, just as the sentry droids attack and overpower both guards. Thrawn issues the override code, but, but this has no effect on the droids. Thrawn is then forced to fight the droid and catches sight of List, fleeing the room. Ezra compliments Callus for his plan to set assassin droids on Thrawn, and they flee with AP-5 and Chopper in tow. Back in his office, Thrawn manages to shoot the droids with one of the Stormtrooper's blasters. So, uh, this particular scene, and, and we this is where, you know, earlier in this, in, in this episode we see... Thrawn kind of battling and it's all part of the the test mode I think but yeah. here it's all on his override code doesn't work and again he shows like man this dude is tough um and again he's got everything he's got everything that uh, the emperor needs as far as yeah. a, a a competent person in charge and the fact that they erase Adalon in this particular scene and, and put in a new planet I don't think like me, I, I think that he would he would recognize that he's like he's studied that map so well that he's gonna know that there's a planet just because they erased the one planet and they put the other planet in it, but it's it's kind of down a little ways and, and dropped a little bit, and I just think that that Thrawn is gonna notice like that planet it shouldn't be at this point it should be this I point so in the too. map you know what I mean yeah. so I don't know if that's uh, I just think he he's too smart of a guy. To, to not notice that, something like that. So yeah. um, any thoughts, Mike, before I continue? No, I think you're on the money. I think he's going to figure it out. And then yeah. and then he's going to know that's the planet. That's the yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Rex and Kanan exit hyperspace above Lothal to discover Thrawn's seventh fleet orbiting the planet. The communications officer reports that shuttle y, uh, TY-992 is cleared to land, while Colonel Yularen orders his men to contact Governor Price. Ezra... Callus and the droids reach the hangar only to find Governor Price greeting the disguised Kanan and Rex. Price orders them to remove their helmets because she is arresting them. 
having determined that the stormtroopers are disguised rebels. Kanan tries to protest, but Price orders one of the uh, Thrawn's uh, stormtroopers to stun him. Rex fires at the trooper and then fights with Price in hand to combat, uh, hand-to-hand combat. Liz stumbles upon the fight and thinks that Price is the traitor. Chopper seals the doors just in time before Stormtroopers' reinforcements arrive. Price manages to knock Rex to the ground, but Kanan has recovered. Before she can shoot Kanan, List shoots Price, mistaking her for the rebel spy. He turns to help the trooper, only to learn the trooper is uh, helping the shuttle thief Ezra to escape. Callus then knocks him to the ground. When Ezra reminds Callus that they need to go, Callus tells him that there has been a change of plans because he has captured Fulcrum and that he can do more for the uh, Rebellion undercover. So obviously this is the first of two kind of surprises in this episode, Mike, and I talked about earlier, like the fact that here is Callus. He has an opportunity to to leave and he, he should be fine. You know what I mean? But he stays and again, this kind of points to me like this is why he's a cool character. Like he has an opportunity to go and he doesn't. He's going to stay he knows there's a danger in this. He knows there's a danger of him still being Fulcrum, him, him being found out. But he's willing to stay because he thinks that him catching "quote unquote" Fulcrum is going to kind of buy him some more time. Yeah. Oh man, but he is—he is, he is uh, definitely on the wrong path. But you got to give him some credit for staying behind. And um, I don't know, Mike. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, no. I—he I, obviously thinks he's doing the right thing. And yeah. uh, he underestimates Thrawn, and I think that's his his biggest and possibly one of his last biggest things. Yeah. Do you know why Price um, – was it that Thrawn – I know at that one point after he fights the droids, he, he gets on the comm and goes, hey, um, I think he says something like, give me the commander or give me the captain or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was talking to Price to have and, – and he's telling her, hey – intercept that shuttle because I think this is what's going on or if she just got, figured that out on her own. It was a little unclear, but I thought maybe Thrawn was kind of helping her. I, like, he's figuring this I thing out and Th- he's telling Thrawn, her. I felt like Thrawn kind of tipped her off a little bit. That like, Yeah, that's what I think. Okay, like, there's something, because something, obviously he gets attacked, right? And he's like, no, something sketchy's going on. Something's mm-hmm. about to go down. Um, yeah. You need to, that, that shuttle is not Something's goofy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah right. you can't clear that shuttle. Okay, so, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to finish it up and we'll... Yeah, we'll, sure. Uh, um, yeah, in Thrawn's office, Yularen informs the others that List's codes, uh, cylinder code confirms his suspicion that List was the rebel spy who used the cylinder to over, override security, release the prisoner, and contact the enemy. Thrawn then dismisses Agent Callus and Governor Price. In private, Yularen remarks that things have fallen too perfectly in place for his liking. He tells Thrawn that Lieutenant List is not capable of the accusation he is accused of. Thrawn expresses his agreement just as a stormtrooper brings one of the prisoner Ezra's effects. Thrawn identifies the helmet as the work of the rebel Sabine Wren and surmises that Ezra Bridger is the owner of the helmet. When Yularen asks why Callus did not warn them that Ezra was the shuttle thief, Thrawn tells him that Callus is the real Fulcrum. Yularen is shocked that one of his former pupils is a traitor to the Empire. Thrawn tells Yularen that is why you were deceived, and opines that Callus will be more useful to the Empire as Fulcrum than in his current position. Yularen, what do you think of this design? A beast of some kind. A stylized expression of a Lothcat, 
a ubiquitous native of Lothal, and rendered by a very familiar artist. The use of this specific color, the angle of the line, this is the work of the rebel Sabine Wren. I believe this helmet belongs to a compatriot, the young Jedi, and I escaped prisoner, Ezra Bridger. Bridger? If Bridger was the shuttle thief, why didn't Callus alert us? Because, Colonel Yularen, Callus is the rebel spy, Fulcrum. He used List's cylinder to impersonate and implicate him. And more importantly, he used the young Jedi's power to gain access to my office and reprogram my droids. Very skillfully, I might add. I would never have suspected one of my best students was capable of this betrayal. And that is why you and so many others have been deceived. I believe Agent Fulcrum will prove far more useful to the Empire than Callus ever was. Oh, Mike, he has definitely figured it all out. I mean, he lays it out on the line to Yularen there. I mean, he brings in the helmet. He re he matches the color and the lines of the helmet yeah. to the stuff that's in his office. Uh, by the way, tons of Easter eggs in that office with clone helmets and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he, he figures it out. And, again, the, the part that I loved about this is, like, okay, so he knows it's callous now, but – Instead of just going and finding him and torturing him or killing him or whatever, uh, like probably a lot of just the normal lieutenants or anybody else that's in command might do or put him in jail. He's like, you know what? We're going to use him. He's still going to be Fulcrum. We're going to let him be Fulcrum, but we're going to use him <laughs> to uh, basically uh, probably set up, you know, the rebels. This is what I'm thinking, you know, especially in the last two episodes. This is where it's going oh, yeah. to come to a head, right, Mike? So, Mike, uh, what do you think? Any thoughts? Do you think that's where we might be heading? Yeah, that's exactly where we're heading. And this is what I was talking about earlier with, like, they, they showed their work, right? Um, they didn't just write down the answer, uh, which mm -hmm. is what, I, in my opinion, Timothy Zahn does with, mm -hmm. with the character of Thrawn. He's often um, just five steps ahead of the other characters because the plot dictates that he needs to be. But in this instance, we actually see, and and you know this is based on on pre, uh, pre existing uh, notions about Thrawn that he's been studying Sabine's artwork. He's been studying the the rebels that he knows of, um, that they have records of. Obviously, he knew a lot about care about Hera before he'd even encountered her, um, and he kept the Calicori and and. Um, and he's got the, this this big chunk of Ezra uh, uh, of Sabine's art um, with Ezra's Lothcat in front of it, um, mm -hmm. which I think is actually like that is the piece that connects it all then and, and makes it because some people might look at it and go like, well, how does he know that it's Ezra? Um, but he knows it's Ezra because as a matter of fact, that Lothcat, if you I, I'm pretty sure it's in season two. That mm -hmm. that Lothcat, like, Sabine does her art, and then Ezra draws that little Lothcat on it. Mm. Um, and that that, that sketchy-looking, kind of crummy-looking Lothcat is not Sabine's art, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it is it is actually Ezra's art. And somehow, through his research, Thrawn kind of understands that. Um, mm. And... Uh, 
And so when he takes that Lothcat and he and he sort of cross-references it with the stylized Lothcat on the helmet created by Sabine, which matches the other art, it's like he kind of he puts it all together like like a like a good detective, right? He yeah he, he is, figures yeah. it all out. Um, and uh, and 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 he's and that is the piece. The fact that it's Ezra is the piece that allows him to to confirm that Callus is in fact the the rebel spy. Um, mm-hmm. And I I you know the the one thing that I think they missed out on in this episode was that um, I, they used whatever that ship is, the, the shuttle that, that Ezra had stolen. They mm-hmm. have a star, they had like the star speeder 3000 or whatever, what, 5,000, whatever it is from, from star tours. Mm-hmm. Obviously it was used previously in an episode. Um, uh, we've seen it in, in star Wars rebels. Um, right. That that's correct, right? Or did we just see the pilot from it? I think it was. No, no, we did. It was it was Rex, right? Remember we saw Rex. Yeah. And I believe it was the that particular model. Yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was. Yeah, um, yeah. They had like, and this was so much about the rebel spy, the rebel spy, the rebel spy. And like that's the thing you get on Star Tours, and they they pick somebody in the audience in the on the ride with you to right. be called out as the rebel spy. As a matter yeah. of fact, uh, the last time that I went to, to Disneyland um, was it when I rode with you when, when we rode together. I think that I think it might have been that Crystal got selected as the rebel spy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe maybe it was was when Crystal and I rode by ourselves, but. Um, yeah, but Crystal was the rebel spy once. And, and it was <laughs> nice. pretty funny. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, because you know, because it's like one off. Because I'm sitting right next to her, and it's like, but I want to be the rebel spy. Um, <laughs> I don't get to be the rebel spy. I'm too yeah. old to be in the Still Jedi Academy. Yeah, there's nothing good for me to do at <laughs> Disneyland with Star Wars. Um, that'll that'll change soon. But I, yeah. I, but yeah, I I thought that they missed a, a golden opportunity to have that reference in there. And to even maybe have have um, that Captain Rex, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they yeah. could have had both Rexes in one episode. Both Rexes, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and and he could have made reference to the Rebel Spy. I, I, but but oh well, you know, I, I mm. they were I think they were frying bigger fish. They didn't think about that that yeah. joke. But. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, like like you said, man, he's he's kind of figured it all out there it is all about Ezra knows what I mean uh Callus knows what Ezra looks like I mean yeah. he's seen him multiple times so he knows that Callus saw him he could have arrested him brought him before him if he was still if, if he wasn't fulcrum so he easily figures that one out and yeah. like you said with all the drawings and everything all the all the clues um yeah, we're headed right to to that ending to where this thing is going to hit ahead. And who knows if we're going to see Callus after this season? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's facing up for uh, that two part finale we're going to get at the end of the season and this battle for Lothal. So it's, I'm looking forward to that. And again, this episode pretty good. It has some good things in it. I lo- again, still loving Thrawn. I know it's a lot of people are like, man, it's taking a long time to get him going, but it's a slow burn, and and you know yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's going to pay off at the end here. So pretty. Pretty fun episode. A couple of 
cool surprises there as well. So, totally. um, yeah, with that, Mike, let's, uh, we're not going to, we don't have any actually, uh, emails or Facebook stuff this week. So we're going to jump right into what's coming next week in star Wars rebels. It is entitled secret cargo. And here is a quick preview. A probe? What's it doing way out here? Speaks Imperial. That's bad. Let's blast it before it spots us. Ezra, get in the nose gun. But hold your fire. We don't want to attract attention if we can avoid it. I'll power down so it can't scan us. That includes you, Chopper. Nobody make a move. So, Mike, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, when a routine refueling mission goes wrong, the ghost crew finds themselves transporting an important rebel leader across the galaxy, pursued by Imperial warships. So, you know what? It's funny. We heard Hera in that particular clip there, and I'm thinking to myself, man, we haven't really seen her, it seems like, in a long time, right? Since since the episode on Ryloth. Yeah, so she's been around, she's right? But she hasn't really been a, an integral part of the story, right? For right. Yeah. We've been so focused said, on Sabine. Yeah, yeah, Sabine, and now this, and but I've been interested to find out this important rebel leader. I mean, could we? Could it be Organa again? I mean, I think it's Mon Mothma because we know because we know oh, Mon Mothma is coming go. up this season. So I think that's who that's we're. right. She was actually in that clip, that Darth Maul clip we talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah. She was in that. Okay, there you go. That's it. That's who that is. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's what's coming up next week, Secret Cargo. So uh, looking forward to that, Mike. I think that'll do it for this week, huh? That does. That That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. I am on Twitter uh, at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and uh, you can find Matt at the Crankster. That is Crankster with a K. Yes. Uh, and, of course, we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. You can check out all of the other great podcasts in the network by heading to thunderquack.com, where you can check out, you know, you can check out Talking Time Lords, Star Wars Saga Continues. Uh, maybe you go back and listen to old episodes of Frontline's The Clone Wars Podcast. We never... We never um, uh, promote that because there's nothing to promote. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, but, uh, yeah, you can do that by heading to thunderquack.com. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, you can support us by going to store.thunderquack.com, buying some merch. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to work on some new, some new art pretty soon. I think, um, some new, new star Wars stuff, uh, new rebel stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I might even put, I don't know. I'm thinking about putting up the, the, um, the Clone Wars uh, design that I did for celebration for mm. what was that C six um, C six yeah I I and maybe modifying it a little bit so that the ones from C six are still exclusive, but mm. I I not that anybody cares but me, but uh, <laughs> but I might I might put that up there because because uh, that's. Uh, a good design and and i think people would would dig it so uh so maybe that'll go up eventually but uh but right now you can find all sorts of cool stuff um over at store.thunderquack.com uh if you're a fan of the podcast and of course you can also support us on patreon at patreon.com slash thunderquack i kick in a couple of bucks 
Uh, a buck even uh, gets you uh, the Thunderquack podcast, our exclusive podcast just for Patreon supporters, and access to the Thunderquack Patreon Facebook group. Um, and, uh, and you know, there are other rewards as well. You kind of go up in, in value and the rewards get better. So uh, we just revamped our rewards tier structure. Uh, so check that out at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Maybe there's something there you're interested in in, uh, in getting as a reward. Uh, or maybe you just want to support us because you like what we do. Uh, we appreciate everybody who does support us over on Patreon. I, I We could not do it without you. So thank you guys very yeah. much. Um, but that does it for this week. We will catch you guys next week for the episode Secret Cargo. See you next week. See you next week, everybody.